great words. Like I said, the thing that always strikes me is the brothers and sisters who have gone before that sang those same words, understanding the implications. What I like about some of the, the songs and the hymns that uh, really focus on Christ is that you, you realize that the mercy of God and the grace of God is being outpoured. <coughs> Someone shared with me uh, a kind of a dream or a vision that they were having and they were trying to work through and interpret it, and part of it was a picture of, of trees planted in a, in a concrete floor where the concrete ran right up tight against the side of the tree. And uh, uh, it, it ran out in all directions, and as, it, as the moisture tried to get in, as the water tried to get down to the roots, it was cut off from the roots. And a tree obviously cut off from the moisture that it needs to sustain itself is not going to live very long. And so the, the question was, in the vision, uh, as they were asking that whole thing, that process of, What's it really, and what is God, if is God communicating something? Because as you think of it, and you understand that picture, you go, is it possible for people to come to a place and have water poured on them, but have the concrete of the circumstances of their life, and the hardness of their heart, and the difficulties of life, and the circumstances be so pressed tight against them, that although the water is pouring out all around them, it never accomplishes or gets to the place it needs to go. And uh, part of the question then goes is, could that describe sometimes how you and I can be in our own walk with the Lord, in our own situation, where we have the Word being poured out upon us like a fresh rain, and it runs down, and it, it seems to bring a freshening and a, everything else, but it never seeps down and gets to that point where we absorb it and pull it into us. It kind of coats us on the outside. We feel good at that moment, but ultimately those roots are not absorbing or sucking in the nutrients that they need to pull up and finally grow and burst. If you understand how concrete would be burst by a tree root, the tree has to continue to thrive and grow in order to break this junk that's holding it down and keeping the life from of the life-giving water to get to the roots that it needs. And so it becomes this kind of deadly situation where if the tree doesn't grow, the water doesn't seep down the way it should, and <clears throat> if the tree doesn't get the water it needs, it can't grow, and you kind of see that kind of vicious cycle that people can find themselves in. And yet they're in the middle of all this bathing of water. They're in the middle of the Christmas season. They're in the middle of the, the Christmas carols. They're in the middle of uh, Advent. They're in the middle of church services. They're in the middle of all kinds of things. But when you measure their life and you look at it, they look and behave like people who haven't tasted the water, who haven't had a refreshing drink for such a long time, and you're watching them in these circumstances and situations. And I thought that one of the things that I just become fascinated with sometimes is the unbelievable outpouring of God upon us and uh, the, the ability of God to break the concrete that binds us. The example, of course, is the, the whole context of the Apostle Paul. Uh, when you think of the Advent, you kind of always picture, uh, i got to get myself ready for God. And I go, the first advent I want you to understand is God going like this to the concrete around your roots. You understand? Part of the, the breaking and the shattering that has to be done is that power of God breaking into the circumstances of your life, breaking into that situation or thing that's holding you or keeping you from growing, breaking sometimes into the picture, of the, if you picture the unbelievers or the false believers like Paul was, moving in certain directions, and the power of God's got to come in and go, bam, and hit you so hard. In Paul's case, he was blinded. 
In other people's case, they've got to be laid down flat. They've got to be broken open because God does not want that water not to get where it needs to be. And so it's not a question of God's grace being poured out on you. It's not a question of what God wants to do for you. It's not a question of the freshness of what that is available to you, but the concrete of the stress of life, the concrete that kind of accumulates around us, that hardness that gets there, that just keeps us and just begins to seal off the very thing we actually need to live. And so we become like the, the people that be are hearers, but we never become the doers because what hasn't happened is that process of being seeped into our lives and the changes that need to play, take place haven't taken place. And so here is Jesus confronting Paul in this situation. Paul, who was, I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to do for God. I, I thought I was having the, my life in the right direction. And the trouble with him is for all practical purposes, Paul was this, this, this tree surrounded by the concrete of his own religiosity, of his own interpretation of life, of everything he thought church was and family was supposed to be and everything he thought he was doing righteous for the Lord. And God came down like a jackhammer and just slammed the ground with his fist and he shattered the concrete and he said, no more. I'm breaking into this situation and the circumstances of your life. And I want you to feel that because I want you to feel, like I told you, our theme for our school this year is pursued by God or pursued by Christ. And I wanted you to just picture that kind of slamming of the fist down because you've got to understand God does not want you trapped. God doesn't want you and I encapsulated by you know, the miseries of life or the, the circumstances or the bitternesses that accumulate around us, the, the stuff of life. And each one of us has our concrete made out of something different. You know, some of the stones and everything else that make up that concrete are all a little different in our world. He comes down, he busts this thing with his fist. And the purpose, of course, is to crack it wide open because he has got a freshening that he wants to pour into people's lives. And what you pick up in this little illustration here with Paul is this kind of, this busting, you know, this kind of, I'm coming after you. I won't let you live like this anymore. I love you too much to let this be destroying and let this be the end of your life circumstance. I'm coming to call you. I'm coming to make you my own. And so you got to understand that we, like Paul, can get ourselves so religiously minded, so kind of traditional in the sense of, you got. I'm not talking about traditional church and songs and hymns. I'm talking about your tradition. You know, you get into your little patterns. I have this pattern of being grumpy. I have this pattern of liking or not liking Christmas. I have this pattern of being frustrated about that. I have this pattern of how I relate to my wife or my children. I have these patterns, and pretty soon they become your traditions. And they become the way that you relate to God and to life and to church. And they begin to solidify and they get so solid they pack around you and they become that concrete. And so God says, I cannot let you live in this any longer. I cannot let you destroy yourself. I can't let this be the totality of your life. And he comes down like Paul and he breaks into that situation and he goes, and Peter, he goes, <clears throat> or excuse me, Paul goes, uh, Jesus goes to Paul, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. And, you know, Paul immediately goes, holy my goodness, because that's the relationship. Now get up, stand on your feet. Okay? You understand, this isn't, I'm going to leave you there. Get up. I got something to live. I got, there's new things for you. You understand? If you're not careful, you can walk into Christmas season, you can walk into life and circumstance like you always have. And you never allow the freshness of the, the, the newness of God's spirit. I've been praying over my kids at school, and I pray all kinds of things, but 
The Spirit's just been laying on me. Pray for a fresh wind. Pray for a new move. Pray for this. Give them the vision of a new spirit upon them. And you can hear me. I've prayed it over you a few times. And the thing that God's been trying to stir in my heart is to help them understand. They've got to understand that they need the newness of what the Spirit can do for them. So that they don't just simply say, we will be as teenagers were and as other people were in our past. We will walk through this school or experience life as our brothers and sisters and others who have gone before us. But instead, they're going to be having that vision. And I keep praying it out in very specific things that God wants to move a new spirit so that we talk to each other with new voices, that we listen to each other with new ears, that we respond to one another in new ways and the ways that are of God. Because the old ways sometimes are not what God needs you to be doing right now. Sometimes the old ways are fine. It does, it's not a criticism as much as it's going, God's got to have that fresh water, that fresh word, that fresh life that's got to be a part of you. It can't be what you used to be. It can't be what you used to know. It can't be just resting on those things. It's got to be fresh in the immediate moment of life and challenge that you're living in right now. And so you've got to see and understand God comes in and breaks that concrete apart, and then he says this to Paul. He goes, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen of me, and I will show you. I will rescue you. I will save you. The word rescue, salvation, that kind of, I am coming to rescue you. And the first thing he had to be rescued for was from himself. He had to be rescued from himself. And then Jesus goes on, and I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And he's setting himself up to understand this new walk that Paul is getting. It is brand new. Paul had, has gotten himself into a situation where he was comfortable. The religious people of his context loved him. The religious people and circumstances around him were, he was comfortable in it. He was a leader. He was a heroic individual. He was busting this sect of the Jesus Christ people apart. He was doing in his mindset what his culture has taught him to do and live the way he was supposed to live. And Christ said, I'm busting that up. I'm breaking it down. I'm giving you a new fresh spirit. I'm walking into your life in a brand new way. This is all going to be new to you. And I will rescue you from your people. And I'll rescue you from the Gentiles. And then he goes on to this next thought. He says, I'm sending you to them. And watch what he asks them to do. To open their eyes, to turn them back around. It kind of says turn them back and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And I go, one of the things you begin to understand is you and I are jackhammers. You have to understand that when Paul gets rescued, it's kind of like, for the first time, it's like this concrete that's been holding him. It breaks apart, and Paul is being raised up. And he's being empowered by the Spirit of God. He's being given a vision. He's being given a commitment. He's been given a place and a job to do, and things to get done. And he's got this all poured into his life. And it comes pouring down into his life. And as he stands and he begins to stretch for the first time and feel what the power of God is in his own life, he has to understand, and you and I have to understand, God has not called us to hit people, but to hit those things that bind people, to break the concrete free from the next brother and sister. You understand? The darkness that blinds them, you come against the darkness so that they can come into the light. You come against those things that trap them 
so they can be set free. Our job is not to hate the people that are blind and stupid and foolish and caught in sin. Our job is to come against those things that hold them. Our job is to break that wall down. And so whether you're at the abortion clinic and you're praying for God to just open the eyes of the people that are going into that place or the, the men and women that stand out front or whatever it is, you're not supposed to be hating the individuals. You're supposed to be coming against the spirit and the forces and the wickedness that are those wretched concrete forces that just finally trap people until they can't move. They can't function. They can't taste life. There's life all around them. There's spirit all around them. There's water all around them, but it never gets into their world. And so you and I have to understand that there is this coming of God, and that first vision I want you to have is that he comes to break, not you, but what holds you. He comes to bust you free, because otherwise your marriage will be as it always was, and you because you won't have anything new. The way you teach and talk to your parents or your children or your brothers and sisters will be as it always was, because you will never allow anything new to enter in. And I go, there is a new work that God does in my life every day. There's a new work that he does in the world, in the church every day. It is new in the sense that it's new to me. It is new in the sense that there are different people for me to talk to, different lives to be rescued. And so when you look out at a class full of kids as a teacher, you see yourself not busting kids, but you see yourself fighting against those forces and busting apart those forces that are killing these kids. And suddenly you have this new sense of what it's really all about. And you have a different sense of dealing with people. And you have a different sense of what holds them back. And you begin to enter the Advent season with the enthusiasm and the commitment that God enters your season. In other words, he walks into your life and he goes, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to bust this thing up. And you know what happens to us, and this is the hard part obviously, is so many times we're patching it all back together. We go, but my concrete makes me comfortable. I have to move. I may have to actually visit a Gentile. I might have to actually stand my ground. And God says, breathe, child. Live, right? Live. We are like dirt. And he just breathes into us new life. And he says, live. And the clay shouts back, but I don't want to live. I want to be clay. And God, you know, the example of the pot and the clay says, the the pot doesn't tell the potter what it's going to do. The clay is formed in the hands of the potter. And I go, that's what God's trying to do to us this Advent. There's a work. I don't always understand all the things God is doing. Like I told you, every once in a while I get smart enough to see my moment a little bit clearly. Every once in a while I see this this little vision of what God's doing in my family, this little moment of an answer to prayer, this little moment of clarity that I get. And every once in a while I get this vision back over my shoulder to the brothers and sisters who have gone before, and I go, oh my goodness. Look at the words of the song that somebody wrote. Look at the depth of the theology and the focus and the commitment that people sang generation upon generation upon generation as they read the words of that poem and song. And I begin to go, I get that vision and that taste, and then he says, now, let me get you in the future. You see, what he wants is he wants to set you free. Advent is all about why I came. And he tells Paul, I came to turn people around, to set them free, to give them a new light, to let them walk and taste life like they've never tasted before. And you're my man for that job. So that they can, right, receive forgiveness and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. There is a work, and I don't know, who does God want you to save tomorrow? Who does God want you to rescue Who does God want you to love? 
Who does God want you to take your spiritual fist and come slamming down on the concrete around their roots? Who does God want you to free up? Who does God want you to whisper and breathe into them a new breath? You are saying you've been given the Spirit, and that Spirit has been given to you like Paul, the Apostle Paul, where he could have said, no, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go, but instead Paul said, yes. The miracle is the man who rebelled against God and fought God and fought God and fought God now becomes the man of God because he's been broken free from all that stuff that held him, and he began to walk in a way and act in a way and live in a way that changed people's lives. And I think that's the challenge that I, that I want you to sense, that I want you to feel God calling you. He goes, I want to free my people. I want to bust the things that hold them free. I want to flood and bathe them, not in water that just touches them on the outside and says, oh, wasn't that a nice song? Didn't you enjoy that? Wasn't this a great moment? And you have that little external moment and it runs off and it dries up and it dissipates. But when it gets to your roots, you suck it up inside of you. When you suck it up inside of you, it gives strength and it creates newness and it produces growth and it produces a level of attitude and courage just like a tree that finally begins to stretch and pull and you watch trees tear mountains down. They tear them down because those roots just get in those rocks. They bust that stuff apart because that tree is going to grow and no rock, no concrete is going to hold it in its place. And I'm going, that's who you have to be. As you suck up the nutrients of God's love and the nutrients of his mercy and forgiveness in your life, you and I have to enter into that walk like Paul, just busting free. And I'm going, that's really the advent God has for us. So that's the first part I want you to be aware of. As it says, lift up your heads, you mighty gates. And if you looked at this, it goes these points where it goes, fling wide the portals of my heart, make it a temple set apart. From, heaven, from earthly use, excuse me, from earthly use for heaven employ, heaven's employ, adorned with prayer and love and joy, shall your sovereign enter in and new and nobler life begin. To thee, O God, be praised for word and deed and grace. The concept that he, the author is going, that newness, right? This power that God wants to pour into us. And so whether we deal with the brothers and sisters in the past and, and sing the old standbys that just honor God in every part of what they did, or we sing those that are new that give us that focus also, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we begin to be the people who are pulling the flavor, the juice, the life that God wants for us right up into our roots. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, you look upon us and you see the, the hurting the concrete in the wretch of the world struggling to uh, snatch, snatch and snuff all life away from the people that you've called to live. And you, Lord, have come to bust people free. And then you've called us to be people who are willing to bust people free too. And so I pray that in this church and in this fellowship we would become the jackhammers of God. That we would walk with an attitude not to destroy the people and and break down those who are frail and fragile and nearly dead. But instead, Lord, to follow in your footprints. And follow in your footsteps and your attitude. To bust apart those things of the world and of wretch and of sin and of guilt and shame. That make people and starve people and cause the, the life to never get to inside of them. To bust it apart. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us that kind of heart. 
that we would enter into the rescue, that we would <clears throat> first taste the rescue ourselves, that we would understand with Paul that you would not call us to just leave us where we are, but you have called us, Lord, to send us on that mission of reaching out to the brothers and sisters, of sharing the light, of being the light, of doing those things that we must do with them. And so just give us that uh, great boldness and that great courage in all that we do. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. And Father, I pray for the special needs, the things that are going on in people's lives, the circumstances of our families. I pray a special grace over my mother and father as they celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary tomorrow. I thank you for the blessing and the witness and the, the courage, the joys and the challenges that they have walked through together, somehow survived and clung both to you and to one another. I thank you, Lord, that their uh, life becomes that testimony in my own heart and life. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in their life and all that you're going to continue to do in them. And for each moment and each day that you've given them, I thank you, Jesus. For all the things that they've done in my life and my family's life, I thank you for that, too. And I pray, Lord, for other marriages and other situations, whether they're going good or badly. I pray as uh, you know, kids move and, and things change and nests become empty and, and people try to adjust and refine themselves and move into and out of retirements and all the different things that go on in our lives, that you would somehow, Lord, sustain us with a vigor and a determination and a joy that carries us through every difficult time, every adjustment phase. Is that mine or yours? Good. I thought it was mine for a second. <laughs> every part of our life, Lord, we just pray that in your grace and mercy that you would just begin to work in, uh, in powerful and new and exciting ways. I'm asking, Father, that you would just continue to strengthen people here. Pray for Marshall, who's going to be going back in for chemo treatments. And I ask that in your grace, Lord, that you would just surround him with your mercy and your love. I pray for some of the marriages in our congregation that are just taking a beating and uh, are, are being caused by everything from selfishness to the pressures of life and the, the difficulties of finances and the, the circumstances of health problems and situations like that. Lord, open our eyes. Make us concrete busters, Lord. Make us people who have been set free to set others free. Give us the courage and the toughness of Paul with the tender heart that allows us to love people. I pray, Lord, for rescues for our children and the challenges and the temptations of their life. And I, I speak against the concrete of the world and the wretch of the deceptions of sin and the things that people sometimes do to them and the, the things that hold them and, and freeze them and keep them from tasting your life, Lord Jesus. I want our children set free, and I want our college kids set free, and I want our young men and women who are dealing with the challenges of everything from sexuality to joys and sorrows, of loneliness, of happiness, and all the different things that they race around with different emotions. I ask, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, you would continue to work in those lives, that you would bust the concrete that holds them in place and that you'd set them free. I pray, Lord, for those who have... Uh, moved away and gone in different places. I pray, Lord, for the power of your spirit to be upon them. I lift up our government, Lord, and for the, the leaders and the races that are taking place right now and the challenges of who should lead and who should uh, not lead and all the things that you call us into and the complexities of everything from uh, government to politics to all the other things. Make us wise people, Lord, and give us the courage to break the concrete that holds and destroys even our nation. Lord, uh, you have said that those nations who are filled with your presence and your love are most blessed. And so we pray for that to begin in our hearts first. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that we might be your church here in this place, in this city, with our families, with our extended family, friends, and acquaintances, and that we, Lord, might enter into all that you have for us. 
I pray for your mercy to cover us all. I pray for those who are sick and hurting. And I ask, Lord, now that you'd hear the prayers of any brothers and sisters that need to bring anything before you now. Lord. If you got something to add, please go ahead. This nice and loud, please. Father, I pray for those families that have lost those teenage kids in all those car accident situations. The ripping and tearing that it must be doing in their lives and hearts at this time of year and at any time, Lord. 
I, uh, I lift them up to you, Lord, asking that somehow you would work, that you would make sense out of it, that you would bring families together, that the schools and kids and friends are all touched, that and somehow they would be touched in a way that uh, brings blessing and wholeness and life to them. Lord, I don't know the lives or the circumstances of those kids, but I pray that they knew you. I pray also that all of us would be more mindful of how delicate and fragile our lives are, whether we're teens or whether we're old. I pray, Lord, that you would just make us more mindful of the cautions that we need to learn and the appreciation of each day of life. Lord, uh, raise up a group of people that have been made wise and alive in you and have entered into the bold walk with you in every circumstance. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Be in our lives in all that we say and do, and use them for your glory. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. We close with the last song.